The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Hear now the word of God from Joel, chapter 2, starting with the first verse. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame burns. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, but after them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, and like war horses they charge. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Yet, even now, says the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Christian season of Lent. Lent lasts for 40 days. 40 days, according to the good book, is enough time to get something significant done. For 40 days and 40 nights, rain fell on Noah and the ark. For 40 days, Elijah wandered on a silent retreat in the desert. 
For 40 days prior to beginning his earthly ministry, Jesus fasted and was tempted by the devil. A lot can happen to a person in 40 days. What are we supposed to do with these 40 days, this Lent? One of the texts that Christians traditionally read at the start of Lent, my good colleague Jonah read it this morning, comes from the prophet Joel. Joel was not an especially jovial guy. He predicted that a military force would invade the land and soon lay waste to Israel. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. As Joel describes them, this invading force is supernaturally strong. They have the appearance of horses, and like war horses, they charge. And with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble like a powerful army drawn up for battle. What is Joel talking about? Scholars believe that the prophet here is describing no ordinary army, but a plague of locusts, a looming environmental catastrophe. A swarm of these ravenous insects is coming, cries Joel. Sound the alarm. Nothing will escape this army. Like a black cloud, they will fly from the mountaintops down to our Garden of Eden, and they will consume everything, the leaves on the trees, the fruit on the vine, every blade of grass, every scrap of vegetation, they won't even leave stubble in the fields. And when they're gone, when all that remains are grasshopper corpses crunching underfoot, we will have nothing. That's when things are really going to get ugly. A terrible famine is coming. Almost two years ago in May of 2020, during one of the most unsettling periods of the pandemic, when New York City was in lockdown and a field hospital was being erected in Central Park, I was awakened one morning by an alarming story on the radio about an invasive species in the Pacific Northwest, the giant Asian hornet an insect that was killing and eating entire hives of honeybees. Beekeepers stung by these two-inch-long hornets described the experience as being jabbed with a blazing hot needle. The bug's venom is potentially deadly to human beings, 
In Japan, giant hornets are responsible for the deaths of around 50 people every year. Entomologists have started calling the insect the murder hornet. Sitting up, listening to this news story as sirens blazed and flashing lights crisscrossed this gutsy city, I held my head. All I could think of was no, <laughs> nope. I cannot handle any more bad news, murder hornets, no, not now. <laughs> I'm guessing that in the past two years, you too have had a not now moment. Maybe it was brought on by some new wrinkle in the pandemic or sobering news from a family member. Did you hear? Antoine is in intensive care. Maybe it was prompted by some other horrible event roiling our society. Did you read about the murder of Ahmed Arbery? Maybe it was the loss of a job, the death of a parent, the end of a relationship. I'm guessing that during the last two years, everyone in this room has had a moment when we've received bad news and dropped our chins, when we've mumbled, it's all too much, no more, not now. So what's with Ash Wednesday? <laughs> Given the seemingly bottomless servings of grim news that this world can dispense, Russian shells are now targeting civilian buildings in Ukraine. Why does Ash Wednesday start us out with bad news? No more. Not now. Down through the centuries, some have argued that we need to listen to a prophet like Joel because God authors bad news as well as good. At times, preachers have claimed that plagues of insects and human disease, murder hornets and pandemics are, in fact, God's punishment for a society that's gone off the rails. But this, my friends, is not true. Not for Joel. Joel never says that the coming swarm of locusts are God's doing. God's revenge. Joel never says that God has plans to destroy the people's livelihoods and their lives with a horde of grasshoppers. Joel simply says, friends, they're coming. If God is not responsible for the black cloud on the horizon, then, then what's the point of this text, this passage? In, in the face of, of bad news, what does Joel suggest we do? Basically, when dark clouds appear on the horizon, the prophet counsels, it's time to turn to God. This is the message of Joel. This is also the message of Ash Wednesday. Turn to God. Turn to God because that is where you will find perspective and help 
for the living of these days. This is the path that Lent would have us follow. Spend the next 40 days turning to God. How do we do this? Should we cover ourselves with ashes and, and grovel? Shall we deprive ourselves of basic pleasures? Does God want us to give up things during Lent? Caffeine, chocolate, alcohol. There are good reasons for moderating in all of these things. Still, we need to ask, is that what Joel wants of us? Is Lent a time set aside for minor deprivations? Is, is Lent a season for tweaking our lifestyle so that we can enter the spring ready to wear our pastels without popping their buttons? Did Jesus, to paraphrase Margaret Rankle, spend 40 days in the wilderness so that he could get back in his skinny jeans? Joel points us to something deeper. Lent is more than temporary physical deprivation. It's a chance for spiritual reorientation, for a spiritual reset. Listen again to the prophet. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. The Hebrew term for merciful here is rasham. Rasham is an interesting word. The root of the Hebrew word rasham is womb. Joel describes God's compassion by evoking a woman's womb by pointing to the attachment a mother feels for her child. God, says the prophet, waits for us, waits for us with womb-like love. God moves toward us, says the prophet, a mother reaching out to bless. Last week, <laughs> on one of those happy days when spring briefly raised her head, I was sitting on a bench in the park. Next to me, a classic scene was unfolding. You will recognize it. You've seen this before. A mother pushing a baby in a stroller announced to her toddler walking along the sidewalk that it was time to go. Okay, Tully, she said, we need to head home now. No, declared Tully shaking her head. Yes, said Tully's mom, we need to go home and feed Ben, pointing to the baby. No, demanded Tully, frowning and turning her back on her mother. Okay, said Tully's mom, Ben and I are going to head back. We hope you will join us. And slowly she began to wheel the stroller toward the park entrance. Tully stood still, but she angled her head. She kept her mom in view. She watched through the corner of her eyes. Tully's mom also kept swiveling her head, 
to check on the toddler. And at some point in this funny standoff, their eyes met and poof, like magic, the frustration, the test of wills, the frowns suddenly vanished and Tully manifesting a toddler's amazing capacity to switch emotions in the blink of an eye spun around and ran to catch up with her mother. I've been thinking about Tully and her mom all week. Why? Well, first, because I've got to admit that there's more than a little toddler in me when I respond to bad news with no more, not now. Today's text offers us a different perspective, a different way to respond. Bad news is not personal. It's not God trying to wreck my day. And yes, while bad news is hard to take, its cruelty can hammer holes in our hearts. The best thing we can do when our souls are battered by deadly disease, murderous insects, and unholy wars is to turn, to turn during the season of Lent is to refuse to wallow in self-pity. It's to remember that God is the God of life and not death. To turn is to make eye contact with one who has already turned toward us, a God who stands ever ready like a mother to walk alongside us and to bless us on this hard, hard journey. My friends, the 40 days of Lent stretch before us. A lot can happen to a person in 40 days. It's even enough time to turn. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. In this perilous time, my friends, have courage. Turn toward God with confidence, knowing that the Almighty has already turned toward you. And now go forth on the journey of Lent, trusting in the love of God embraced by the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and supporting each other in the spirit with hope. Amen.